bitch lost. Sports news that top. You know British sentence. Who got you taking all the shots? Tell me like who got traded, who did not, and what's the latest? Well, let's debate. Just trust the browsers. You know we got this in-depth analysis. Who's the baddest? Yes, right here behind the line. No foul, there's no crime. Like N1, go for two, three, pull and drop to the hoop. We cover it all inside the park. The newest stud up from the bar. It's deeper stalks. DTB, you're tuned into the best you'll see. Welcome to the Deepish Thoughts Podcast, episode number 15. Apologies for last week. We had audio issues that prohibited the show from being posted. Trust us, it's for the best that you did not hear it. It was not the kind of quality that we expect from ourselves and that I hope you expect from us too. But we're back. Chris <laughs> Wardell, uh, that man laughing on the other end, is Anshu Khanna. Anshu, how have things been since we spoke last week? Oh, man. I mean, it was the worst episode ever, so I'm so glad <laughs> it's not out there in the interwebs. And uh, I feel better today. I feel refreshed with two mm. weeks of um, of content just ready to roll. Uh, but, no, yeah, it, crazy week of, sport, of Sprots. A lot of yes. like the Sprot, the old sprots uh, You know, you have the trade deadline and uh, some big-time releases in the NFL. I have a feeling we've got a lot to cover. We do. Probably not going to rehash too much on the on the, the show prior, wherein we talked uh, quite a bit about DeMarcus Cousins. And for all, you know, in fairness, it was a very good show. It's just audio. Uh, the audio wasn't up to the level that we expect, and uh, we're not going to subject you guys to that stuff. But as you mentioned, quite a bit going on. Uh, Adrian Peterson, Anshukana, no longer a member of the Minnesota Vikings. They're not picking up his option. His $18 million option for the 2017 season. And not only does this have giant ramifications on the Vikings, but also huge ramifications on the rest of the NFL as the franchise tag number for running backs in the NFL dropped from 12 million to $8 million because of, of uh, Adrian Peterson's option not being picked up. Really? So the, so the franchise tag is based on this coming year's top five salaries, right? The average of the top five correct and that 18 million dollar number no longer exists okay and we're assuming obviously that peterson won't get paid more than the 12 million or whatever the fifth highest salary is well i mean it might creep up a little bit i'm not sure when exactly then maybe uh the number is set on the beginning of the new league year i'm not sure when that number is set but mm-hmm. it's certainly it's certainly not going to be 18 million and uh, i don't know if he'll even be in that top five highest paid running backs i doubt it yeah yeah so 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 I mean, at the end of the day, I don't believe there was actually a running back hit with the franchise tag, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, there was. But uh, Le'Veon Bell. There you go, uh, Le'Veon Bell. You're absolutely right. So yeah. it sucks for Le'Veon Bell, but I think you'll probably be able to feed your family anyway. If not, <laughs> I was go, on... go talk to Latrell Sprewell. <laughs> or your teammate Antonio Brown. But uh, yeah, he can, a little loan there. I, I thought Le- I thought it was based on the previous league year's average. I could be completely wrong about that. But either way, it, it either costs this year's running back that's franchised or next year's and significantly. So, yeah, I mean, Adrian Peterson, well, the Minnesota Vikings doing the running back crop no favors with that move. Well, how about the Minnesota Vikings doing themselves no favors with this move? What do you think this means in terms of that, that Vikings offense? And, you know, it's uh, also worth pointing out that up until March 9th, the Vikings can still negotiate with Peterson and bring him back at a lesser contract. Yeah, and I, I would say that's a non-zero possibility. I believe Vegas 
Bovada has them still as a second favorite behind, surprisingly behind Tampa, who has Doug hmm. Martin under contract. I'm not sure if they have an opt out with Martin, but I believe that's what I've read. Uh, you know, Adrian Peterson's been a shell of himself over the last year and a half. If you if you think back last year, I mean, and you could say some of that's a function of a pretty terrible quarterback, thanks to your boys, or you know, an awful offensive line. But hmm. you know. Adrian Peterson's 31. He's got a lot of tread, 32, I believe now, a lot of tread on those tires. And given his violent running style, I don't think it should be surprising that he's fading, you know, at this stage of his career playing the running back position. I mean, all we've ever heard is, you know, running backs are going to fade out. They're good for only a few years. He's expanded Mm -hmm. that timeline far beyond what I think most players with his tread and his age would have said and especially given his injury history coming into the nfl but uh you know i i I don't think that it's a terrible and especially at that cost i I don't blame the vikings at all i'm i would definitely have cut him at that price and i i would kind of be surprised if he comes back so yeah peterson hasn't been peterson consistently for quite some time and actually, this is a, a guy who's never had five consecutive thousand-yard rushing seasons. That's a little bit surprising. Hmm. Um, obviously, three games played last year, carried the ball 37 times for 72 yards. Those are not uh, the kind of numbers that it, you know make a team want to spend 18 million dollars on an individual player. <laughs> no, that we're 1.9 yards per carry average. We're not even mentioning his off-the-field stuff, which is sizable, too, and his own issues with the front office and talking about other teams and the potential of going other teams. You maybe, not pun intended, said it has Giants ramifications on the Vikings. Mm. I don't know if you meant to say that, but the Giants are certainly a team that might fit Adrian Peterson. So, you know, I... For a variety of reasons, this made a ton of sense. I can't think of a team that would pay him that tag. So, um, yeah, he's been a staple in Minnesota, but for, I, I think it makes a lot of sense for, for that tenure to end at this stage. How about Jerry Jones coming out and suggesting that they would like to add Peterson to Ezekiel Elliott in Ooh. that Cowboys rotation? That would be something, but I there is just no chance that I see Peterson accepting a backup role, especially no. to... And, and there, make no mistake, he would be Elliott's backup. So yeah, no um, question, no question. I would love I that know. as an Eagles fan if Peterson went to Dallas. Honestly, yeah, because any, I, anytime I, you get Elliott off the field, it's a plus. I do think that not that specific scenario, but I and I was going to ask you this: what in your ideal mind? We've played this game with Tony Romo. What's the type yeah. of team? Not specific team, but what's the type of team that? makes sense for an Adrian Peterson right now at this stage of his career. I think that it's one where he can kind of thunder and lightning it with somebody, but what do you think? Yeah, I can see that. You know where he would have been unbelievable is uh, those old Denver Broncos ZBS teams. Mm. He would have been unbelievable. And when when you have the Alandis Garys of they the world... They still zone block, though, don't they? I mean, there are a couple... But, it, but it's not the same to... team. But it's not yeah. the same team. Yeah. You know, it's it's not you don't have John Elway at quarterback. You don't have uh those incredible offensive linemen. This is a shell of what they were when, you know, Alandis Gary and uh, who was who was in the middle of Alandis Gary and uh, Mike Anderson Terrell Davis. Mike Anderson, there you go. Mike Anderson T V got uh Clinton what, Portis. 2000 yards. Clinton Portis. There was a they couple of good Ruben Drones good... even had some good yeah. Oh jeez. <laughs> 
Oh, jeez. Yeah, so that, what do you that think? speaks to the quality. No, I think you're right. But the current era. Where does he fit in? Yeah. Uh, well, more than welcome to come to Philadelphia, that's for sure. <laughs> because for as much as uh, I would love to see him play over Ezekiel Elliott with the Cowboys, I would also prefer to see Adrian Peterson play over Darren Sproles with the Eagles. You would fit in um, well with that Island of Misfit Toys cast off. All right, settle down, team. fella. Settle down. <laughs> Take it easy. Take it easy. Um, oh, yeah, New York makes a lot of sense. Uh, how about, you know, Detroit could theoretically make some sense with him mm. splitting time with Abdullah. Uh, Another terrible offensive line, though. Wow. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know what they're I don't know what they're thinking about in Tampa. New Orleans might make a little bit of sense where you can split mm. uh, split carries. You know, Carolina room. seems like they're perpetually looking for a new running back. But I could see them having some interest in Peterson next to uh, next to Cam. Hmm. I don't know. Arizona's got David Johnson. The Rams have Gurley, but Gurley stinks. You forgot He's... the other team in the division. Oh, I was, uh, I'm getting to the other oh, teams. Oh, okay. All right. The, uh, the Seattle Seahawks have uh, a talented young running back. But there's another another organization that plays their their football in Santa Clara, California, sure. despite being called the San Francisco 49ers. I that would be an interesting signing for the 49ers and brand new head coach Kyle Shanahan and brand new general manager John Lynch. I could see them going for that sort of splash signing, and they they have basically said that the number two pick is is available. And it seems like they want to auction it off to whatever degree they can. I could see, I could see a Peterson type signing, especially if they could put together a package to go after a Kirk Cousins. I feel like Peterson and Carlos Hyde together would be a nice duo. Yes, um, that's the kind yes. of guy I would want to pair him with because I also don't trust Carlos Hyde to carry the ball 250 times or whatever in mm. the course of the season. So I mean, I think that that would be a great, that'd be a nice little piece for them. I, yeah, I think that. I, I always say beware the Patriots. Look, Eric Blunt's a mm. free agent. I think that this is very Moss-esque right now where he's at at the stage of Peterson's career. I know that it's a totally different position, but can you just see them signing him and pairing James White? And... I, I don't know. Does he do enough for the uh, to make sense for the Patriots? Because the Patriots really like the running backs to be able to catch the ball. And I mean, Peterson, Peterson's never had more than I mean he had forty forty three catches. Yeah, him, that's fine. But <laughs> I think but that he, he's ad, he's adequate catching the ball. He's not, not he's not Patriots like catching the ball. Well, Legarrette Blunt's never been a huge receiver of the ball either. And I think that if he if you put him again, you have to take Adrian Peterson for what he is, not what he was. So if you pair him with a guy like um, like James White or you know Deion Lewis, well. We'll see if he's ever back. But, you know, mm. players like that, I think that's your ideal scenario for, for Peterson. I don't know how many teams have a guy like that, but most of them seem to have someone. But, you know, here's another – yeah, I mean, I think that's that's kind of what you're looking at. A place where he's probably the lead back by name, but you have a guy that can third down back it with him, and then if he gets hurt or if he gets in trouble, you know, you, you're able to have a, an ideal replacement for him. Yeah, and you know, I would never count Adrian Peterson out. This guy is such a freak. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, coming back from the ACL like he did, coming back from other injuries like he has. The collarbone. Ha- the collarbone, and he did have 1,500 yards rushing in 2015. So I wouldn't, you know, 
I certainly don't think 2016 is indicative of what we're going to get for from him moving forward. But I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't count him out is all I'm saying. I, I could I see this guy going for 1,400 yards next year wherever he is. I agree, I, especially if he signs with the rivals, the, the Packers. Who knows, man? Put him next to Aaron Rodgers. No, I'm just kidding. There's absolutely no chance the Packers have signed him. None. They should. The Packers. That's a. I mean, you have a, a wide receiver playing running back. No, don't take it wrong. Take that. Uh, take that the wrong way. I would prefer your wide receiver turned running back over any running back on the Eagles roster right now. But <laughs> it's still a wide receiver turned running back. Yeah. No. I. I mean. I think the Packers are going to re-sign Eddie Lacy, and that'll be that. There's not much more to it, but it would be interesting if nothing else. But Ted Thompson covets those comps picks like it's his firstborn children that he never had. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't see that one happening at all. Let's let's talk about comp picks for just a second here. Announced earlier this week, and surprisingly announced earlier this week because typically they come out at the league meetings. So we weren't really expecting them for about two weeks. Was there anything that really surprised you when you saw the uh, this year's comp pick allotments? Well, I think I texted you about the Browns. I, I didn't think that the guys that they had given up merited, was it five, four or five comp picks in the first five rounds? I mean, they're loaded. Four, man. yeah. Four, but they gave up. I mean, I guess I had um, I had overrated the receiver they lost. Sorry. Travis on. Benjamin. Travis Benjamin. Um, or underrated him, I guess. Alex Mack was obviously a big loss. Gibson, you know, whatever. I didn't think it was a major loss for them. No, uh, I think Tayshawn Gibson was wildly overrated. Yeah. So, and then there was one other. But I, they lost. I, they lost Mack. They lost Gibson. They lost Mitchell Schwartz, and they lost Travis Mitchell Benjamin. Schwartz. Yeah, Mitchell Schwartz. Schwartz is pretty solid. Um, I might be underrating him a little bit, but they got four more picks to a team that has many times said that they highly value more shots of the dartboard. And, yeah. man, they come out with, what is it, 12 picks in the first five rounds? I could be getting all these numbers well, wrong. It's a lot. Yes, they did add four picks, four compensatory picks, but they only actually get two of them. Uh, that mm. Their third-round pick was traded to the, the, the New England Patriots in the Jamie Collins yeah. trade. One of their <laughs> fourth-round picks goes to Philadelphia as part of the – the draft they trade last year for the number two overall pick. Got it. Okay. Well, so they're you adding go. a four and a five, and that's great. You know, it's great to add a four and a five and not have and to worry Jamie about. Collins. And Jamie Collins, yeah, and you know the the numerous other selections that that we gave them for and uh, for the right to move up and select Carson Wentz with the number two pick in the draft. Yeah. But yeah, that was. <sighs> A lot of third-round picks given out this year. You don't really see this many, but we had yeah. – and I, obviously the biggest factor is the, the average size of the contract. So the, the the highest comp pick that was actually given out was given out to Denver for Brock Osweiler, which is crazy <laughs> when you think about it. Oh, it's based on the – what is it, based on the length or just overall guaranteed dollars or what? Do you know what it is? It, it looks like it's average per year. Okay. It's, I mean, it's, it's, that's what it's showing me on this. Yes, yes, yes. It's a weird and complex formula, but, but actually, I don't know if it is because I'm looking at uh, over the cap. Because Olivier Vernon got the most, didn't he? Over, oh no, Brock definitely did. Brock, Olivier Vernon was number two. Yeah. Vernon was two, yeah. So I'm looking at overthecap.com right now, and they have all of the compensatory picks, uh, the free agent that they were compensated for and the average per year, the average contract per year. 
and it does go in accordance to the average contracts. Oh, no, you know what? I take that back. It absolutely doesn't. Mm-hmm. Because, so, yeah, Osweiler would be one, Vernon would be two, and they, that holds up. Josh Norman would be three, and that holds up. But Kalichi Osamel comes in at four, despite being number six or seven average contract-wise. I wonder if part of it is they just didn't want to get Denver another high, another pick that high because Malik Jackson has the fourth highest average per year mm. and uh and he is all the way down as the number they got the sixth comp pick in the in the third round for Does Malik it have Jackson. to do I thought it had partially part it was in part due to um or based upon games started and performance or something along those lines as well as the actual salary of the player they lost I'm sure. I mean, it, we said it's a formula. It's not just one thing yeah. or the other. It's it's several factors, and some of that is player performance and availability and those types of things. So, anyways, I, I was surprised with how much the Browns got, and um, yeah, I mean, pretty pretty. Uh, and this is the first year, remember, that complex can be traded. So yes, sir. These are this is a major deal this year. I mean, these teams are. I think you'll see a lot more trades on days, and especially day two because of these picks being able to be swapped around. Yeah, I mean, Denver cleans up, too. You lose some big-time free agents, but you also get get to lose Brock Osweiler and are (laughs) rewarded with a third-round pick, which is wonderful. uh, There's no way that that Houston could trade Brock Osweiler for a third-round pick at this point, so that's great value for Tennessee. Uh, they get they get a second third round pick from Malik Jackson and they get a fourth round pick for Danny Trevathan, mm. so and then a seven later for Ryan Harris. So Denver cleans up, and that it looks like it does look like Denver and uh, and uh, Cleveland, Cleveland are the two that really really killed it. But it, you know it hurts a little bit that Cleveland's top two comp picks are going to other teams. You know the other team that off the top of my head I was surprised at how little they got was Cincinnati. I thought Cincinnati okay. lost a ton. They lost Sanu and Marvin Jones. Uh, oh, they lost for both of those guys. And they lost a um, was it a say, uh, Reggie Nelson? Right? Didn't he they go? Got a six for Reggie Nelson and a, a okay. six for Andre Smith. Yeah, I mean those are those are four starters ish players for them last year off a playoff team. So I think there are probably Bengal fans out there that thought they would be getting a little bit more out of those four guys that they gave up for a team that never signs anybody. That's, yeah. that's a lot to be given up. No, you are you are absolutely right. Uh, neither of our teams really do anything. You guys get a five for Casey Hayward. Should have been and... higher. Casey Hayward was almost a pro bowler, which is saying not much nowadays. But <laughs> he was Packers could have, desperate, could have desperately used him at the end of the year. He led the league in picks, didn't he? He was among the so. leaders, yeah. So that was kind of a shame. It should have been more than that, but whatever. And we get nothing, but like I said, we have that we have a that early four in terms of early in terms of comp picks mm-hmm. for from the Cleveland trade last year. So yeah. I don't know. We have the draft is what? About seven weeks away now. Seven, eight mm-hmm. weeks away. We're we're getting there. It's Next combine week, week, baby. Next week we'll be talking quite a bit about the combine, although it will actually be ongoing as we're uh, as we're recording. So I don't know how much. Uh, maybe not on the East Coast, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, but it's going to change everything that we know. And luckily for us, I'll, I'll speak only for myself. That is not very much this year. 
<laughs> I'm excited for it, man. The combine is, I mean, as people may or may not know, we kind of got to know each other through an NFL draft site. So mm. through your NFL draft site. So, I mean, this is kind of your baby from forever. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. This has always been kind of a fun time. You know what? I, I kind of think this is like, it's uh that first time, like we'll use your child analogy and it, it's that first time you send your kid off to be coached by somebody else. <laughs> Cause yeah. I, you know, I, I don't, I can't, I have no understanding of what's going on. I have no control over what's going on. It's just, it, it's a very weird feeling for me to be in. And I, I've talked about this a little bit in the past and we, and you and I talked about this a little bit before we uh, started recording I go, you know, I spend every draft, every draft year with a couple of my friends and, you know, we just spend time together, hang out, watch the draft. And I, I felt like I really got a feeling for what their experience was like all these years when I watched it last year, that being my first when I wasn't working on a draft site full time. And all, yeah. all of a sudden the fifth round rolls around and it's like, oh, who's that? Yeah, well, I, the fact that you know the first four rounds worth of players puts you in the, as I've said before, the point zero zero first percentile. So I think you'll be just fine, buddy. And uh, the fact that you guys have that first rounder that you don't know who for sure it's going to be this year as opposed to last yeah. will make it all the more interesting as we ramp up past the combine and into the uh, into the actual draft stuff. Oh, I know who it's going to be. It's going to be Mike Williams. Yeah, I uh... That would be something. I don't see him being there, but that would be interesting. Well, I'm just putting it out there in the world because if I put it out there, then there's a chance that it happens. What do you think of Corey Davis? Can we can we talk about this? Well, yeah, you. Yeah, sure. We can talk about this. You know, you know what my concern with Corey Davis is? Is he's a little bit too Jordan Matthewsy. Uh, I think the hands are a little bit of a question mark, and that concerns me. Watching Jordan Matthews and to to a much 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 greater extent Nelson Aguilar drop pass after pass after pass for Carson Wentz last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know Matthews don't take this as me insulting him I'm not Matthews is a good player and he's an incredibly hard worker mm-hmm. but I, we would both be like re- I would be reticent to add another player who drops the football That's, I, I, nothing kills drives like people dropping the football I didn't know that Corey Davis's thing was dropping the ball I mean I what I've seen of him is first of all he's a athletic freak compared to Matthews and I I love Matthews well, but Matthews is six three and runs a four four five. That's pretty freakish too, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll we'll see well Corey Davis won't do anything at the combine, so we'll, it'll be mostly hearsay up till mm-hmm. he gets drafted and we see him on the field. But um I, I my impression of Corey Davis from seeing him he played against Wisconsin in the bowl game, I think that I watched I randomly watched the Mac title game, which was something. He is <laughs> His breakaway speed is something else. I mean, I, I know that Matthews is fast, and I, I didn't know he tested that well. But um, my my thought with Matthews is always he was the ultimate technician born out of his, his work ethic. And I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Corey Davis is good, uh, good work, whatever. I, I don't know anything about that stuff. But I, I think that he's more of a physical specimen and the kind of player that can take over a game more so than I would have expected out of Matthews. Yeah, well, I mean, look, obviously Mike Williams is probably not going to be there, but but like I said, that is uh that's the dream. Yeah, he Jordan Matthews ran a 4.46 at the combine at 6.3212. Damn. Um that's impressive. I don't know if Look, I watched I watched John Ross 
get about 6,000 receiving yards in person <laughs> against against Cal this year. Mm-hmm. So despite the fact that he's got a couple of injuries in his past, I would not be upset if we took John Ross in the first round. I also, Ajax I also think, volume two? Well, yeah, and I think volume one might uh, might also be on the team next year. But, but I also think there's a realistic possibility that they're going to take one of the top two running backs if one of them's there. Ooh. Uh, you know, well, I, I who think, are your top two? Fournette it's Fournette and Cook in that order. Okay. Some people say McCaffrey over Cook. I don't understand people who say McCaffrey over Cook. I'm what guessing is, a lot of it. What does McCaffrey do better? I think it's a Catchable. lot of off-the-field stuff. Cook's gotten in a little bit of hot water in his past. And Cook's got more of an injury history, doesn't he, than McCaffrey? A little bit. A little bit. But, you know, McCaffrey is a white running back. <laughs> nice. Spoken like a true draft expert right there, folks. <laughs> those Those hot stereotypes are what you tune in for. Exactly. I mean, you get knocked at least two rounds if you're a white running back. Yeah, or a white uh, No, no. Look, I just don't think McCaffrey – you know that my feelings in terms of running backs are that I want a guy who can, who can carry the ball 20, 25 times a game. And I know that that's not really the way the NFL is going, and I'm, I'm being a crotchety old man. Yeah, you really but, are. Who knows? But it's difficult, just... too. I just think McCaffrey's too much of a specialist. I, I think he's too much of a specialist to be ranked that high. He's never going to be – McCaffrey's never going to be a 20-carry-a-game guy, he, and he wouldn't be good in that capacity. He, I, I see – and I mean this as a compliment while it might come off as an insult. I see McCaffrey <laughs> as kind of like a rich man's Darren Sproles. Okay. I, I kind of see that, and I appreciate your non-stereotypical comparison there. But I – you know, I, I admit, I'm fascinated with McCaffrey. I think that he can do a lot more. I think he fits today's NFL really interestingly, and especially when you think of the Patriots and the way they use running backs. No, I, I think everybody thinks he's going to be a Patriot. <laughs> I think that's yeah. essentially a foregone conclusion. Oh yeah, I agree. That you know he takes and takes the spot of you know probably unfortunately for him Deion Lewis last year. Uh, next year, yeah. and uh, you know, I like Deion Lewis. He broke into the NFL as an eagle. We drafted him as a guy to sort of complement Lashawn McCoy and potentially replace Lashawn McCoy. Uh, didn't quite work out, but hey, that's <laughs> fine. We we got Ryan Matthews to replace Lashawn McCoy and Demarco Murray, and uh, yeah. we're, we're we're set there. Um, yeah, know, you, you like, heard, but you what heard. is it? What is it? Sorry, I want to stick with McCaffrey for just a second. What is it specifically about him that you like so much? I just think that the stereotypes are a little bit misleading with him. I think that it's easy to say that he's the next, you know, Danny Woodhead or whatever. But uh-huh. the real, I mean, if you watched him at Stanford, he actually ran better between the tackles than he did outside. I know that that's part of that is the teams that he played like Cal and, and some of the more wide open speed upfield rushing type defenses. But mm-hmm. I, I think that McCaffrey can do the power game. I, I really do. I think that he's, He's more than just your typical scat back or whatever. I, I, but then I also think that he can be that guy. I think that he's a, an ultimately great receiver slash blocker out of the backfield. Similar to actually, I think that he's got some similarities to Ezekiel Elliott in that respect, as far Ooh. as being able to do, as far as being able to do a lot of different things. And and mm. Dalvin Cook is also able to do a lot of those different things too. And I think those two are well tailored to today's NFL. More so than someone like Leonard Fournette, who although is he is going to test amazingly well given his size, um, I, I just 
I would be worried about drafting a Fournette. And what I was going to say was I wouldn't take any of these three in the first round, to be honest. Maybe Fournette late in the first, but I just think that, um, you know, running back is super deep this year, and you can get a guy later on that can potentially carry the load for you. And especially if you have a good quarterback and you trust your pass game, you don't really need to spend a premium pick on a guy because I don't see a true Zeke Elliott type for the for it to waste a first round pick on this year. Well, you don't agree with Merrill Hodge, who I also, as a general rule, don't agree with. Yeah. In this case, our opinions line up. Uh, Hodge says that Leonard Fournette's a freak running back that comes along once every ten years. Okay. Well, did he not pay attention last year? Because that guy's pretty freakish. Um, uh, yeah, he doesn't. He's not familiar with Ezekiel Elliott or Todd Gurley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think the jury's maybe out on Todd Gurley a little bit. But yeah, I, I, think, I come on. He had a great. He had a great rookie year. That second year was yeah. Oh well, he was in it. He was in where I think, was it last year. I think Fournette is very girly esque as far as what I could see his career trajectory being like. And I mean, he's got that same kind of explosion, but I don't for a, for a man of that stature. But I, I don't know mm-hmm. that he's like. Look, the Cardinals found David Johnson in what the third round or fifth round. I you mean, can't yeah, I, count on that, though. I know you, you definitely can't, but I think you can find players later on that are catered to fit your offense the right way, and you can find them. I, I mean, I don't necessarily know that. Well, although, all right, put it this way. If David Johnson came out again, I'm sure he would be a first-round pick, right? Like, So well, yeah, if you could I, guarantee me you'd get that guy, then yes, he's, that's where you spend your first-rounders, but there's so few of them. And I think it's funny, too, because anybody who watched uh, the tremendous Amazon All or Nothing special on the Cardinals last year knows that they didn't want – David Johnson wasn't the guy that they wanted. They were trying to get Amir Abdullah, and then they wow. lost out on him. Wow. And then they, they just ended up with this this young superstar do-everything running back. Yeah. No, that's that's a nice little mishap. Happy mistake yeah, poor, there. Poor team. Do you think Fournette is that kind of running back? I don't think he's David Johnson because I don't think he catches the ball like David Johnson, but I think, I think he, you know, look, I don't, I don't like comparing any guy who's never played an NFL down to one of the NFL's greats. But when you look at running style and stuff like that, it's hard not to see Adrian Peterson. Wow. Yeah. I mean, size wise, he's, he's close for sure. And running style. And running style. Yeah. Which is, I mean, Adrian Peterson's a freak. Like, I mean, I don't know that Fournette is built that way. I mean, as far as if his body can take the kind of pounding and deliver the kind of pounding that Peterson has consistently done throughout his career. Hey, if I can get, you know, you would, the shelf life on running backs, we'll call it, what, five years? If I can yeah. get five 1,500-yard seasons out of that guy, it's worth a first-round pick. Yeah, uh, I don't disagree with that, I guess. And I think that's the kind of upside that he has. Uh, and, I, you know, I especially like – it's just because I'm so sick of the DeMarco Murrays and the Ryan Matthews of the world. I miss LaShawn McCoy so much. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> harder it's harder to say that after the whole nightclub incident. But, yeah. And, and, and LaShawn McCoy, not a great human being. We'll just put that out there right away. But, man, I wish, uh, I wish I was still watching that guy and Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin play football for the Eagles on Sundays. That was a fun – Fun team for sure. With Vic, with Vic, it was with a Vic, lot of fun. Oh yeah. Fireworks. The the one time almost league MVP, Michael Vic. I believe he was yeah. uh, 
second in MVP voting the the first year he took over, and then he just stunk afterwards. We do have some um, some breaking news on Shukana, not giantly oh. surprising, but the uh, the New York Football Jets have released seven-time Pro Bowl cornerback Darrell Revis amid the robbery and assault charge allegations. Yeah, I think the writing was kind of on the wall there, based between his play and 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 this latest charge. And I mean, Revis basically was straight up saying that he wasn't the same player and he yeah. can't keep up with guys anymore. I mean, it was almost <laughs> like he he literally said that. Who says that? Who who with any right. pride actually comes out there? I mean, on one hand, you have to respect the candor. On the other side, you have to think, man, this guy got fat and happy on his contract after two years yes. and now he's out. He might be out of football altogether. Well, it was kind of interesting, too, because there was a lot of – and <laughs> so I, I have subscribed to two sports news services and they are two of the major sports news services. I'm not going to go ahead and plug either one of them, but uh, one of one of them consistently beats the other one that is known to some as the worldwide leader. Oh. The, uh, the worldwide leader just got around to reporting that Revis is also going to be cut, whereas the other service had it about 11 minutes ago. <laughs> um, yeah. That's fired. Uh, well, it's funny. I, I had a tweet, or uh, maybe when I still had Instagram, I don't know. But it was it was the other service reporting that ESPN was reporting that news was happening, and ESPN ESPN didn't have that news for eight minutes until after the other one reported. It. <laughs> so awesome. maybe they just need a better social media team. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, let's. I want to stay with one thing you said real quick, just because I, I like the hypocrisy in it. Um, and that is the the Dalvin Cook off the field stuff. Dalvin Cook's off the field issues are incredibly similar to Joe Mixon's off the field issues, but Joe Mixon was unlucky enough to do it in a place where he was recorded on video. Um, Cook also, you know, and Cook's charges were dropped, so blah blah blah, but probably still happened allegedly. Uh, Cook was uh, got in trouble for allegedly punching a woman in the face in, the face in, in a club, mm. and Mixon, we can tell you unequivocally that he punched a woman in the face in a fast food restaurant. Uh, Cook's also got an issue with an animal cruelty issue. I think he left some dogs chained up longer than they should have in the heat or something like that. So you're right. There are, there are some issues, but why? you're right. Why isn't he getting the kind of heat that Mixon is? I mean, you said it. It's the the visual evidence. It's the same thing with Ray Rice. When he got in trouble, yeah. you know, he was kind of like up in the air. I don't believe that he had actually been suspended. Maybe his case was no. kind of hanging in the balance. And then when that tape came out, man, it was all over for him. And he hasn't seen a down since or a, or a tryout even, I don't believe. So, um, yeah, like seeing something happen is so much different than hearing it or reading about it. And, um, and, you know, the optics are just so terrible. And that's why Joe Mixon couldn't even catch an invite. And Chad Kelly, kind of the same type of thing, although I don't believe that was on video. But just making an example of a player. Yeah, it, it is interesting that the NFL did – there is some hypocrisy there as far as the NFL allowing Dalvin Cook to actually attend the scouting combine. Mm-hmm. Well, and Tyreek Hill was their golden boy last year. Yeah, that's – talk about hypocrisy, yeah. Um, that would be that would be like if they were uh, to bring Ray Carruth back for then, an NFL celebrity <laughs> game. <laughs> That's another thing. I mean, they're all terrible. Don't get me wrong, but 
Do you think so? I've read a wide variety of opinions on where Joe Mixon gets taken because yeah. the theory is he's kind of he's not quite a the Dalvin Cook range of talent, but he's certainly up there as a five star guy. Once committed to Wisconsin, I might add. Yeah, I think Mixon um, is super talented for the record. I think he's he's in that just pure talent wise, he is. I think he's in that conversation with the top guys. Yeah, I think he's okay. that good. So do you? Where do you think he gets drafted? I mean, I don't have any idea. Do you think? All right, so he is supposed to be. Uh, if you're saying he's around there, so he's like a first, second round screener, let's say, and talent, yeah. just pure talent, and the fact that he hasn't gotten a ton of burn, but you know he's got some. Um, so you you have no idea what the way the NFL will dock him based on the fact that Tyreek Hill got taken in the fifth round. Yeah, I man, I I just don't have any feel for this whatsoever. Like you. Uh, I've read a wide range of opinions on in where he could go. I think uh, last week Tony Pauline said he thinks he'll go undrafted. I don't think mm-hmm. there's a chance he's going to go undrafted. I don't but either. I don't. I don't think you could. Oh God! Just the way the NFL is trending in terms of the domestic abuse stuff and all of that. I don't think you can take him until the third day. But Period. but boy, <laughs> once once let's call it he's eligible to be drafted on the third day. Once he is eligible, I would take him with that first pick and not look back. Wow. Uh, yeah, I guess it depends on your on your opinion of how you want your team to operate. I wouldn't love it, to be honest. I think that you can find a player um, without having, especially at running back, without having to compromise your moral integrity. But, you know, it, it, I get it, too. I, I mean, they're, everybody else is doing it, then you're kind of setting yourself back, uh, maybe. But it's a tough, it's a very tricky uh, thing to balance. Well, let me let me preface, you know, uh, go back and preface what I said with, obviously interviews are going to be incredibly important for Joe Mixon. If you're going to draft him, you have to sit down with him and you have to feel comfortable that, you know, this was a one-time lapse in judgment and, and he <laughs> has grown past it. That is, that's absolutely tantamount to to drafting this guy you you have to talk to him you have to be confident in joe mixon the person who you're looking at eye to eye so it's very easy for me to say this guy is super talented and i would take him blah 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 anywhere in the third day but if i'm running a team this is all this is all predicated upon me sitting down with joe mixon and feeling comfortable about bringing this guy into my organization. Yeah, you're saying based on talent alone and assuming that he is normal in the head that yes you know yeah, then, yeah, that, I mean, I get it, I guess. I Like I said, I still, yeah, I, it just depends on your moral compass, I guess, at some point. But these guys, like... I like I like what's going on right now, because this is Anshu Khanna, ladies and gentlemen, this is Anshu Khanna saying that his moral compass is greater than mine. It, it is. It's, no. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm sure... It may well be, it may well be. I, looking back, if, if Tyree Kill is okay, would I want him on the Packers... I still think that they'll be fine without him, you know? And, I mean, maybe yeah. that's just hey, it's a benefit of your team being pretty good or whatever, and, and so you're not as desperate. And But, you know, there and there are bad guys in the league. It's just a it's a sliding scale of what, where you draw the line. Like, do you draw it at a DUI? Do you draw it at mm. beating a woman? Do you draw it at, you know, I don't know, smoking pot? You know, different people have different – different organizations have different standards. And so it's a super interesting thing because like, for example, another running back that's supposed to go high, which is Alvin camera. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. 
this guy got kicked off of Alabama after being suspended twice by Nick Saban. I mean, that to me is a monster red flag. I wouldn't take this guy in the first two rounds based solely on that, even though he also is supremely talented and has very little tread on his tires. I mean, I, I and is supposedly loved by his teammates. That that's its own type of red flag. So it's just like it's the scale of red flags. You know how high you wave that flag and, and where it places the player on your board. And you know my my opinion is that there's enough good players, especially in this draft, but. Um, I think you can get away with not taking a guy like him. So you want to stay away from the Bo Callahan's. You want to make sure that all of his teammates <laughs> attended his, his birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, that is just the worst. And it sheds a terrible light on Wisconsin's hypothetical quarterback situation, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sad that I knew the reference that you were talking about, yeah. too. I wish I did. Well, what are you going to do? Um, I don't know. It's a weird situation. And it, it's tough because it's going to be – Everybody's going to have their own very personal feelings about mm-hmm. about this topic, and yep. there's not a right or wrong. There's, uh, you know, it, it is a, it's a shades of gray kind of thing. I don't know. I I believe uh, I don't know. It's easy. You know for what's me interesting? Say, easy, one to, last... easy for me to say one thing, not having to bear the responsibility of what happens. Right. I thought it was really interesting that Mike Mayock the other yesterday, I believe, had his uh, presser with the media and. Uh, his pre-combine presser, and he talked about um, he compared the the uh, the situation with uh, Joe Mixon to Michael Sam, which I thought was hmm. fascinating. As far as, but just you know, morally, the complete opposite side of the spectrum, right? right. But in reality, you know, the uh, as far as the attention goes, possibly similar. So. I I was really I thought that was interesting. I don't think it says anything about Mayock's political leanings or anything like that. I just thought it was really interesting to know. You know, Michael Sam's production at Missouri sort of spoke for itself. I know he wasn't the perfect talent or the perfect, you know, he had his flaws. He clearly wasn't good enough to stay in the NFL or else he'd be on the team, but you had to you have to think that the guy on talent alone and production alone should have been a higher than wherever he got you at the 7th round pick. Sure. You know what is really interesting about this this running back class is it is uniquely talented, but it's hard for me to point to one guy and say that's a safe pick. I, I mean, I think Fournette's a pretty safe pick, but not based on where but, but injuries. he's going to go. You're not worried about injuries? I am, but I okay, based on where he's going to go, I wouldn't I wouldn't take for touch Fournette in the top 15. But, mm-hmm. you know, if he's there at 29 if he's there in the second round yeah sure, why not i'll go for him there but i i mean you're right relative to where they're all supposed to get picked i think that they all have flaws and i mean you pointed out your mccaffrey questions i totally get why there are those and that's why i understand why many people maybe wouldn't want him in the first round or why scops would be reticent to take him so it's it's uh yeah i agree i i don't know that there's a safe guy and usually there are a few a handful and maybe some will emerge this week based on their testing but um, you know, off the top of my head, I certainly can't think of one. A little bit more breaking news. This is actually future breaking news. The Saints announced that they're going to release safety Jarius Bird on the first day of uh, the new NFL league year. Okay, interesting. Jarius Bird. I remember when uh, I remember that summer. I guess uh, two, three summers ago, when Bird was a free agent, and uh, there were the that was Chip Kelly's first year as an Eagle, and. Ah, uh, yeah. The two big 
big safety free agents were both Oregon guys. It was uh, T.J. Ward and Jarius Bird. Sure. And everyone assumed you're getting one of them. Mm-hmm. Done deal. Safety's a problem. You're going to get one. You're going to go out and spend money. We end up with Malcolm Jenkins, who I was a little bit disappointed with at the time. And, you know, you can make a real easy argument that Jenkins has been the best one of the group. Yeah. Ward's pretty solid, but Bird has been a disaster for how much he yeah. was. He was the big prize of that offseason, if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, or certainly one of them. And, uh, yeah, I think that the Eagles made out pretty well there. Nice job, Chip. Great job. Well, Chip wasn't in charge of. Chip didn't have personnel choices at that point. So, oh, if it okay. was if it was the next year and Chipper was our de facto GM, then uh, maybe we do end up with both Jerry Bird and TJ Ward. But <laughs> but luckily, that's not the way it played out. What do you think of this? Uh, you talked about you know Chad Kelly mixing those guys not being at the combine. We had a pretty big story a couple of days ago when Baker Mayfield got himself in some trouble. Mayfield a leading contender for the Heisman Trophy next year, and now with the way the rules are, he will not be eligible to go to the Combine next season. Yeah, I mean, that's wow, I didn't know that. He can't he can't participate in next year's Combine because he got in trouble this year? Correct. It's just any kind of uh, anything on your on your record and you are out. On your criminal record? Is that? I mean, what's the worst yeah, dividing it's, I line? I believe it's the criminal record. I think it's a, I think it's a felony charge, but don't get me. But I'm not sure. But yeah, Maker, Mayfield uh, read a couple of articles that say Mayfield will not be eligible to go to the combine next year. What? So Mayfield just got just got in trouble for drunk driving, was it? And yeah, something like that. Yeah. And like a, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, I don't know where you draw the line otherwise. So um, yeah. That's pretty unfortunate, man. Like, and and I also think that what's the combine ultimately for? I, it's it's a showcase for the teams. It's a chance for the teams to get to see these players all in one place. I mean, there's no rule precluding whoever from interviewing Mayfield or Mixon or Chad Kelly, and they ultimately most of them will, I assume. So yeah, of course. Uh, and and so to me, it's it is it's some op, it's some sense of optics for the NFL, but it's. I don't know. I don't really see the point. Like, I'm I'm glad that maybe they're taking a stand against these guys, but it's not keeping them from being drafted or being in the league or anything like that. So, really, you're just delaying the inevitable and trying to uh, maybe, yeah, you know, it's it's a total optics thing. Yeah, I mean, it is, but it unquestionably hurts the player. I, I You know, I heard a pretty interesting um, response to that, and that's, Joe Mixon now doesn't have to answer 32 teams' no, questions fair. right on the place. And and I think that's that fair. that's, you know, and he doesn't have to test what the spotlight isn't on him directly. And they've had that issue with other players in the past. I'm trying to remember who. But, there, you know, there have been guys. Johnny Manziel was front and center. And, you know, I just, yeah, like, I don't think it would have been the worst thing to see how he handled it, handled all that attention. That is an interesting, that's an interesting argument. That that absolutely is an interesting argument that he doesn't have to bear the weight of uh, having to face everybody's questions. I hadn't right. really considered that. So I guess yeah. you know, there is a yin to every yang, but I don't know. I, I think at the end of the day, it hurts him more than it helps him. It's, it's tough to say. It's tough to say that you're barred from going to the combine and that helps you. Like you have to be a special no. kind of terrible person <laughs> if if keeping you away from other teams. And limiting teams' access to you actually helps you. 
Very true. And I mean, I think that it ultimately would have helped him because of his ability. It's talking about Mixon specifically. Um, and it couldn't have hurt Kelly's status either because, you know, you want to test, especially when you're where Kelly would be, which is, I assume, like a fifth-ish round talent chance to move up a little bit. But, uh, what do you yeah. think of Chad Kelly? I think he's garbage. And yeah, I think thank he's a garbage you. person. I agree. So, but, I, but I, you know, teams I, like that couldn't have hurt him. His performance at the combine couldn't have probably hurt him. That's the kind of thing that a player like him would totally be driving on, I would think, is getting into the combine and being able to throw and run and try to show that you're better than certain players and hang your hat on that. But, you know, I. I if I ultimately will it be really material to his draft stock? I doubt it. Yeah, I'm looking at some some NFL draft rankings right now, and this site has Kelly at nine in front of guys like uh, Josh Dobbs from Tennessee and Bethard and Seth Russell and. Kyle I'd rather Russell. have. Really falls apart after that. This is not a, a deep quarterback class by any stretch of the imagination. Well, last year were there what seven taken? There was it was pretty shallow last year too. Uh, well, that's always that's one of the interesting things that you learn when you're doing this whole draft thing is mm-hmm. just how few quarterbacks actually get drafted every single year. It's so you true. Would think, you would think this is an incredibly valuable position. There's going to be twenty guys taken. No, I think the average is like nine, something like that. Yeah, and I think this year and last year will both fall under that amount. Although. So Dobbs, I think Dobbs is kind of interesting. Not like starter interesting by, <laughs> by any means, but, but I think CFL that, interesting. <laughs> I I um I think that like I would take Dobbs over Kelly in a heartbeat. I don't think that's even close in my opinion. Yeah, but, I don't get the. I've never got the Chad Kelly hype, and he came into the year as potentially the the top senior quarterback in the country. And I, I did not understand that at all. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I don't like this quarterback class. Uh, yeah. my, for, my, my former partner in crime, Matt Miller, is comparing Nathan Peterman to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo this week. I don't know if uh, I, I like that or not, but I think you kind of I have don't. to build. Yeah, well, my, I'm saying I think you have to build those comparisons in just to draw some interest to this really, really mediocre quarterback class. I, I don't know. I think there's enough interest. I think the Mahomes thing is super interesting alone, just him, just where he might go, how you project him based on his performance. Mm-hmm. And then you've got three other guys that are really interesting. And I, I we've talked about them a little bit or a good amount actually early on, especially, but I I think that they're, it's fascinating because I don't think we have a complete picture of two of them. We have a super, like almost an over complete picture of another in Deshaun Watson. And then you've got, and then you've got the interesting factor of Mahomes. So I, I, uh, and then you've got also a ton of teams that are looking for quarterbacks because we've got an unprecedented game of musical chairs going on amongst the free agent quarterbacks that are in. So, it's it's um I, I think it's a really interesting class. I don't think you need to drum up interest in Nathan Peterman or whatever. I think that there's there's enough interesting musical chairs going on to, to provide a compelling case this year. I don't know this this class. I mean, obviously not what he did in the NFL, but this class desperately needs a Matt Leinart or somebody like that. Yeah, like, yeah. It needs not, that marquee name at the top. Yeah, I mean, two years ago when you had Jameis and Mariota, it's tough to beat yeah. that. That is a fun couple guys. Uh, you, you don't have that this year. I think next year you've got the potential for a really 
Oh, ridiculous. Fun, explosive, cool. Yeah, like a lot. It's going to be a very fun class next year. Yeah, next year, potentially ridiculous, and that doesn't factor in guys like uh, you know Sam Darnold, who is just the absolute darling of college football at this point. Yeah, no, I, I know, I agree. I, and so... For those of you that really want that really captivating quarterback class, I think next year's is going to make up for this year's and last year's. Just because you can't wait to get to Brett Rippon. <laughs> I can't wait to get to my boy at OK State. So, and I love Jake Browning He's, as well. It'll be fun. What do you I uh, What do you like about Jake Browning? Because I have I have major Jake Browning issues. I I. I want to watch more of him. I love watching him play. I don't know that he's going to be any good. I think that he uses his body too much when he throws, frankly. Uh, but I, I, I'm really – he's just a very interesting player to me. And Josh Rosen is super interesting to me. I, I love next year's class. I, like, really like the players. And, I just, and mainly just because they're super intriguing to me. So we'll be talking a lot more about that, I'm sure, down the line. But it's, uh, it's a really interesting class. Yeah, like Rudolph, I like uh, pretty much all of those rising oh, juniors yeah. and and Rosen and Josh Allen. I like Nick Fitzgerald at Mississippi State. The um, Wyoming kid. Yeah, it's Josh Allen. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And uh, and you know the at the top you have what is Lamar Jackson going to be? That's fascinating. Oh yeah. So you have a class potentially with with Mason Rudolph, Lamar Jackson, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, and uh, Sam Darnold. Yeah, that'll work. That is uh that's solid. That is not yeah. us talking about Chad Kelly. And that's why when we were leading up to the draft and talking about players that were declaring like Kaiser and some others, Chabisky, both of them really, yeah. I immediately said these guys need to go because there's just like no reason for them to stay with the group that's coming out. Why even chance it? And sure enough, these three guys are all going in the top fifteen, it seems like, without question. Are you concerned? So there's a lot of talk that Trubisky could come in at six one. How much does that hurt him? It hurts him. I mean, six two is a threshold, right? Like, I mean, we've always talked about it forever. I, I think hand size is a bigger factor, but yeah, sure. you don't want to you don't want to be six one. And um, apparently, even though I am, damn it. But yeah, that that's not the size Midget. you want to be. Yeah, <laughs> that's not the size you want to be as an NFL quarterback. So. Um, yeah, I, I, that's a that's a huge factor. How do you? I mean, it's tough to sell your fan your fan base on uh, or yourself really in your scouting department on using a top three pick on a guy that's six one, especially with only one year of experience. Well, the argument against hand size has always been Johnny Manziel. Right. That's a t- <laughs> yeah. There have been plenty of, of small hand size guys or big hand size guys that aren't great in football, but it's usually. It's usually a qualifier to make sure that you're good, you know, like a minimum. So Yeah, I don't know. And you're right, Mahomes is interesting just because what is he's gonna drive people crazy. He's gonna drive oh, coaches yeah. crazy for two years. Maybe oh, three. I think it's I, I don't I don't see it with him, but I get the interest because some of his throws are eye popping. You know, there there are some serious dimes that he drops, but who is a top quarterback who's got – okay, I'll, I'll tell you where he fits in. Pat Mahomes would fit in great with the Giants. Let him sit for three years, and then he can play after Eli retires. What about Arizona? I, don't, I think he, that's too soon. I think he needs to sit for two full seasons at least. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good one. 
I think the Giants should be looking at next year for a quarterback with that group. All right, settle down. We don't don't tell them that. Next year's yeah. if you're if, <laughs> if you're from the New York Giants organization, next year's class sucks. You should yeah. trade all of your 2018. Ignore picks the last that. 20 minutes that we discussed, please. We, we were kidding. We yeah, satire. That's yeah. all this is. It's satire. We're trying to drum up interest in the 2018 draft. That's what everyone's <laughs> exactly. looking for. Exactly. Thank you for listening to Deepish Thoughts, brought to you by the 2018 NFL Draft. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but he he can't play anytime soon. I don't. I agree. It, it, it's going to be. I remember. I forget which which year it was, but it was the year Tyson Alualu went number 10 to the Jaguars. Okay. And it was just the craziest draft I'd seen in a long time where people were just like, it seemed like people were picking names out of a hat. And that's, <laughs> that's the kind of thing I'm kind of expecting from this year's draft too. Really? I, I think this year's draft is really good. Like really deep everywhere, but quarterback mainly. I know, but I just think that there's a lot of talent. Uh, that's kind of my point is that there's a lot of talent and like anybody could go anywhere and you can justify it. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, we've got to watch the combine play out and see what happens there, but I totally agree with that. I think that there is a wide range of players from basically from five or six to like 28 where, mm-hmm. I, I mean, any of them could go anywhere and you could see some names pop up into the first round that, you know, yeah, I agree. I, I totally get what you're saying. And I think, you know, it, it's fun to not be running an NFL draft site and, and, and watch the combine because I can enjoy it so much more. The most frustrating thing about you know, running the sites in previous years is that you can just throw away all your rankings once the combine comes around. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Your weeks of meticulous mock drafts, seven rounds, and just all all of the wind after the combine because everything gets shuffled around. I do wonder... Chris, like, and maybe you, you probably have good insight into this more so than I do, but how much does a team's draft board change based on the combine performance? I mean, you've, you've scouted, you've done all the legwork, all the games have been played. Hypothetically, yeah. you've seen every single big-time player on tape for at least three to five games, right? And so uh, once the combine comes in, how much does a team, a professional team, really change their, their draft board up? So, you know, the <laughs> – the official answer has always been, you know, the combine is a tool to maybe the go back. Breaker. Well, it's a tool to go back and maybe it sheds light on people you were you were too low on and it makes you take a mm-hmm. second look. Mm-hmm. But sure. the, the, unoffic- the unofficial and real answer is it affects it far more than it should. We really? See this ev- we see this every single year. How many times do we see that some guy comes out of nowhere blows up the combine and he goes in the top 10 when we thought this was a, a third round pick, you know, at the end of January, you see it yeah, every year. That's true. I, I guess, um, I wonder how accurate like our predictions are leading Not up very. to the combine. Not and very. then the combine gives you a quantitative comp yeah. for these players to each other. Well, and it's also a thing where I, I, there's a degree of, following the crowd to a degree i, I think yeah, when you're when you're doing sure. rankings and stuff like that it, because people are and i fall into this category in a lot of ways too people are hesitant to be wrong about somebody and look stupid mm-hmm. um totally and and nfl teams don't have that you know nfl teams are their draft boards are going to be completely different than ours from the start and you know guys that we think are undrafted free agents other 
teams could think are second round picks, and then we see that reflected in the draft every year. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you when you look at all of the you know there's those giant mock draft competitions that go on every single year, and um, the people who win get eight or nine picks right in the first round. Yeah, yeah, like that, I, uh, that's a great draft if you get eight picks right. Yeah, I think it's it's you uh, you know the wisdom of the crowd thing that you're talking about. I think that the mm-hmm. the supposedly quote unquote tuned in sources kind of dictate that lead the crowd on that. You know, I mean, like a guy like Matt Miller is now tuned in. You know, so people sort mm-hmm. of follow his lead a little bit, but he also does the same. You can tell, and then at some point, it's kind of like everyone believes everyone. And then Andrew Billings falls to the fifth round. You know what I mean? Yeah. When everyone said that he's a top 25 pick. So, yeah. um, and, and we're also not privy to a lot of the, um, the medical stuff. I think that sure. plays a major role, but I was, I've always been sort of fascinated by that. I agree. Like that's, that's a fact that teams say, you know, don't check it twice. That's the idea. You know, if a guy runs super fast and you might have him as, being either slow or average at speed. So maybe that gives you a chance to look back and see if that's like game speed or game strength, you know, but I, I, um, I, I always wondered if teams are like, damn, that dude ran a four, four, we got to move him up. You know what I mean? Like right, I doubt right. that, that simplified, but I, I also feel like it's not like, I feel like they have to say that because it's the one objective measure they, by which they can compare all these players to each other. This is absolutely true because, you know, that is the struggle in rating NFL draft prospects or prospects of any sport. Because while you have these seemingly tangible metrics of this guy scored this many points, this guy threw for this many yards, mm-hmm. it's it's an apples and oranges comparison because you also have to factor in, you know, the the difficulty of the conference and the strength of, of the conference and the the kind of offense that you play in and five hundred other you. things the talent the talent oh, yeah. around you yep. yeah so it's not like you think you have these numbers that okay this guy is better than this guy but it means absolutely nothing and you know we're going to see that quite a bit in the draft this year I mean look at look at some of these running backs look at the the Kamaras look at the Mixins look at people like that who are I mean, Kamara has done nothing. He's done effectively nothing at the college yep. level, and people are talking about him as a potential late first-round pick, which blows yep. my mind. But yeah, it's yeah, it's no, tough. I, I I know, and that's why we don't see the spread offense quarterbacks go number one. You know, otherwise, well, Alex Smith. Yeah, but I mean, you know what I mean, like the Graham Harrells or whatever, the ones that yeah, have okay. records. So Cliff Kingsbury. The Kingsbury's right. Who's the man, by the way? But yeah, I I, um, I think that those measures are antiquated. It's like it's funny. It's like you've got metrics and metrics lie in that case. But mm-hmm. the ones that make sense are the ones that are standardized. And what we have is the forty and the three cone and the you know the vert and the broad jump. And that that was kind of the stuff that when we first started talking that you you helped bring the light for me was like the idea of you know, a 40 yard dash doesn't matter for a defensive line. Now it's common knowledge, but back, yeah. you know, five or six years ago, it was so cool 10 years ago that Robert Gallery ran, you know, a four <laughs> six for his size. Yeah. So what we should have been looking at was, you know, his, his arm length and his, you know, his bench press and, and his three cone to check his agility and his ability to move quickly and his real athleticism uh, metric. So, and you've got some of that stuff now from the bloggers. There's some really cool stuff out there as far as like three Sigma athletes and spark and all that. But, um, 
Yeah, well, I think Sparks ridiculous, good. just for the record. But but I oh. agree that there are there are a lot of uh, a lot of people who are doing it well. I just don't think yeah. Spark is reflective of an you know actual football ability and or football athleticism. Well, it's uh, it's a fact that the Seahawks use it as like their main criteria for when oh, they it. draft. So I, I and that's fine. I I'm just that's an t- example of a team that probably uses the combine as a major factor, like maybe yeah. the major factor in their whole decision making process, maybe to a fault, and that's coming from a like a you know, an analytics guy. So um I just I think this time of year is just super, super interesting because these guys are all gonna be playing in the NFL and this is like heavy capital being invested in this time. Um and this is a major factor in that whole draft process. So it's 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 one of my favorite random times of the year actually. So uh, I want to talk about something that I wish I would have watched, I would have rewatched before this show, so I could talk about it a little bit more accurately. But I watched a sports science, one of those little ESPN sports science segments, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and and I I thought to myself like, this is how the combine, this is what the combine should be. Like, yeah. The stuff we're the stuff we're doing now is we, we we do it because it's what we've always done. But I watched the sports science stuff, and like this is what it should be. We're watching, you know, quarterbacks with these glasses that can identify how quickly they can make a read, and you know how quickly they can go from progression to progression, and how accurately, and we can get a real feel for their accuracy at different levels. Like this, mm-hmm. this, there needs to be some sort of like technology incorporated into how we're doing the scouting. Well, I... that's that's the way you can have real tangible numbers for for qualities that have always been completely, completely impossible to to come up with an actual number for. I guarantee you teams are doing that on their own. Sure. Like, I, you know, the Cardinals do it with Carson Palmer. There was a whole feature on him and SI last year. And, you know, the, the sort of systems that they use to help diagnose defenses and things like that quickly. And um, I, I would be willing to bet a large sum of money that the majority of teams have something along those lines. But you're right. Like, it would be cool, especially as fans and onlookers of this whole thing, to be able to see it. Like, baseball is so out there with all of its stuff. I mean, StatCast is some of the coolest stuff. Yes, and, yeah. and it's and it's stuff that even the MLB teams readily admit that they use the MLB proprietary, the, the overarching StatCast data that's available both publicly and, um, and you know, privately, obviously, so through MLB. So that's – it's um it's a super interesting idea, and I, I would love it as a fan, but – I, the NFL is so close to the vest. All these teams treat everything like it's top secret, confidential yeah. information that uh, I don't know that we'll ever see that. So you're right. It, it is interesting that combine hasn't really even changed over the last since we started talking, you know, a decade ago, or whatever. Well, it's, it's, it's been the changed. same well longer before that. Well, 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 well before that. That's crazy com- to me. There's, though. there's never been crazy. there's never been a significant change to the combine. Yeah, I mean, other than days and timings and involving certain. Yeah, but that's scheduling. Yeah. Yep, it's just it's that, never changed. Winfield stuff real. has never changed. We're yep. still we're still measuring people the same way we did 30 years ago, and that's, that's absurd. Insane. That's why that's why you know you know the teams aren't doing that mm. on their own time when they bring these players in. They're not wasting their time with. They're definitely digging in. They they've probably checked. They've done what we've talked about where. They've double-checked the combine, cross-checked it with their their tapes and their rankings, and then they're probably digging deeper into their ability to to quickly diagnose schemes. Probably more, it's probably more of like a mental test, is my guess. 
my educated yeah. guess. But, um, you know, it's it's an emotional test, obviously. But I, you got to think that they're using their own proprietary analytics and technologies to, to um, you know, to gauge what these guys are. All right. Well, so by the time we talk next week, I believe all of the on-field stuff will be done. So we will know who won the combine, as it were. Who's your prediction, Anshu? Give me a give me a couple of names for who you think absolutely blow up the combine this week, and we are talking about the significantly elevated draft stock. I, I mean, I don't know how you think Solomon Thomas is going to go, but I think that he's going to absolutely die. I think we're going to be talking about him as a top three to five pick. I mean, right now he's top ten-ish. I, after mm-hmm. this is all said and done, I think he'll secure that top three to five grade. I think Adoree Jackson is going to be the fastest player probably at this combine or very close to it. And that's going to be interesting because I think you'll find people try to, or at least onlookers and media try to find a fit for him. (laughs) And that's a problem because that's one of those guys who's, we know he's fast, but his tape doesn't speak to it all the time. I mean, it speaks to Mm -hmm. his speed for sure, but he's definitely got some refining to do, but that raw speed is something, man. And, um, you know, I'm I'm fascinated to see Leonard Fournette because I think that if he yeah. runs under a four four five at that size, that is going to be an all time great size speed combination. So I mean, again, like I'm not sure. I think Adoree Jackson is the one that I would I'm looking at as far as elevating his stock significantly. Maybe John Ross as well, but um, those other guys I think will solidify themselves as top ten five to ten picks. But what well, do you, what do you I think, think? I think Ross can only hurt himself. Ross is kind. Of, do you remember, um, God, who is Justin King from Penn mm. State? Yep. The, cor- yep. the cornerback who yeah, everyone corner. thought like this is this is one of the fastest guys in college football. He's going to come to the combine. He's going to kill it. Came to the combine. He ran a four four something, and it, it was a disappointment to everybody. Ross is in that camp where if he doesn't run a four three, it's a disappointment. Uh, he he's in a no win situation at the combine. Um, well, I love John Ross. I'm going to say, look, the, guy, the guy who I think is going to jump up, and I actually think he's going to jump John Ross in the draft, I think Curtis Samuel is going to run a high 4-3. Wow. I think, he's going to, I think he's going to come in about 200 pounds, and I think he's going to be the number three receiver taken in the draft. Wow, that is, that's a, that's a statement. And did you see the, uh, did you see the thing with Adidas? The no, what, the fastest so, man? Yeah, so, so Adidas has got an interesting competition this year. If anyone breaks uh, Chris Jackson's all-time 40 record at the combine while Chris wearing Jackson. their, sh- thank you, yeah, while wearing Adidas cleats, Adidas will buy them their own private island up to one million dollars. <laughs> what the hell? That's so stupid. That's and cool though. By the way, but it's awesome. And then that led to me looking at a bunch of private islands that are for sale. <laughs> and you can you can buy a private island for up to you know as low as like seventy thousand dollars. Damn. Maybe we fourteen acre one. fourteen acre private island in uh, I believe it's Nova Scotia is the cheapest one I saw on the website I was looking at. Now okay. you know there's a lot of there's That's a lot of issues fair. there. Yeah. A lot of issues there. I don't know how you get electric. I don't know how you get any sort of septic stuff or anything like that. But yep. it'd be cool to have an island. Hey, yeah, hell yeah. We, you know, when we make it big, I think we've got to we've got to think about that. Just you want the you you want corporate to be on its own island. Yes, I think I think corporate <laughs> needs right. to be on Nova Scotia Island. All right. Well, I mean, it's important to have goals. It is. It's yeah, absolutely. To have goals. 
All right, well, uh, that's the show for this week. We'll be back next Wednesday to talk about Davis Webb blowing up the combine, running that 4.18, <laughs> now the favorite to be the number one overall selection in the 2017 NFL draft. Until then, I've been Chris Forwardell. He's been Anshu Khanna. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening.